Let's face it, for financial institutions, too many financial institutions, the paper trail goes absolutely nowhere. In fact, in many instances, it goes backwards because of all of the costs, resources, and time involved. Enter artificial intelligence, and finally, some practical answers, observations, and advice from our guest today, Shelby Austin, the co-founder and CEO of Arteria AI. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate and investigate actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. If you're looking to grow your digital banking business, check out Lemonade LXP, the digital growth platform for financial institutions and fintechs. Lemonade LXP has both ingredients you need to drive digital growth, a learning experience platform that uses daily micro-learning to give staff the knowledge and confidence they need to promote and support your digital capabilities, and a digital adoption platform that supports your digital capabilities with technology walkthroughs that you can author in just minutes. So if you're rolling out new technology, merging with or acquiring another FI, or just looking to drive digital banking growth, you gotta drink the lemonade. For more information, check out Lemonade LXP at www.lemonadelxp.com. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, assuming I can find my crayons. <laughs> anyway, Luke Carloso, your host here. And today on the podcast, boy, I love artificial intelligence. I love technology. I love fintech. And we have a guest that is going to show how she's making a difference in financial services. Shelby Austin. Based in Toronto, Shelby is a co-founder and the CEO of Arteria AI and was formerly the managing partner of Omnia AI, Deloitte Canada's artificial intelligence practice. Shelby works closely with global financial institutions in consulting on AI and contract life cycle management, including the deployment of Arteria. She's a former member of the Global AI Council of the World Economic Forum. Wow. And was previously a partner at a top-tier Canadian law firm. Shelby, welcome to Bankadelic. Thank you so much for having me, Lou. Fabulous. The first thing I wanted to ask you about is this push-pull we've seen with technology. Obviously, the pandemic did a lot to really push technology forward. On the other hand, there is still somewhat of a lag in terms of certain areas where financial institutions may need to get it together, and legacy documentation is one of those. I wonder if you could take us through what's at stake there and what you're trying to do to really bring companies into the present and the future. Sure. Well, first of all, I think that we have, as you say, benefited in some ways from, you know, the world just becoming more digital and really getting used to being more digital in the pandemic. So I think we're starting to certainly see an ever-growing awareness of the power of technology. And I think even the skeptics have really come a long way during that time. But in terms of documentation, it's what we refer to as the forgotten digital transformation. 
So banks obviously have documents littered all over the place. The most recent study I read, and I can't believe they do studies on this, but they do, said something like it costs an average sort of enterprise-sized client between fifteen dollars and $40,000 to negotiate a single document with their customers. Wow. And then it can go upwards from there. And so, yeah, you think about it this way. How many pieces of paper does any single bank have with their customers? That's a lot, particularly if we work across silos. And so really what we are trying to do is to just at the highest level, say there is actually a whack load of costs being spent on something that you don't always think of and that the problem is really big and really painful. And as a result, you know, we're trying to encourage banks to say that, well, they're transforming digitally and have come a long way on that journey, that documents are still analog and that there's still a long way to go there. Now, in terms of how all of that works and AI in the banking field in general, we know by now, and pick your word, right? Data is the lifeblood, data is the new oil. What really puzzles me is that financial institutions by and large know this. It's not always clear to them what to do with the data. In your own view, what does that mean and what does that involve? First of all, I think it's really important that we just set the table about what it is to be data first. And so right now, in any of these major financial institutions, to onboard a client or to make any sort of deal with a client, there's typically you know, an email sent with, let's say, a PDF attached. Maybe that document is then printed, then it's reviewed, and then it's scanned again. And then once it's actually signed, the documents then go through a process called digitization, typically manually, but sometimes using other techniques as well, trying to get that same information out of those documents through this sort of, I'm an ex-lawyer, so sometimes I say things like ex post facto, but through this after process. And what data first means is rather than fixing the problem once you've made a giant mess, what we can actually do is change the sort of nature of the documents that we put forward to our customers. And as a result, we keep the data intact and the digital chain intact the entire way through. And then the key there is once we have this amazing digital chain intact with all the data there and we know where the data is in documents, then we can start to use it to do all sorts of neat things, as you say, that we hadn't been able to do before. For example, when a new regulation hits that will change confidentiality provisions like GDPR, what parts of documentation, what parts of our client bargains do we need to go and then update for a new confidentiality clause or what other elements of my products can I sell to my customers? You know, and then also from the client perspective, how can we just make it a more pleasurable and easier experience to be a client and start to join the ranks of any of these big banks? Yeah, pleasurable, right? <laughs> often a word used in connection with financial services, but it really is so true. I think about just one element, and I've talked about it a lot on this podcast on other episodes, credit decisioning. The idea that if the FICO score isn't dead, it's certainly not a precise process that moves in real time. And as a result, people aren't experiencing let's say that pleasure, right, of getting the loan that they need or getting help with financial decisions based on a lot of other things that they do, metrics that need to be incorporated there. I would love to know how AI can work in terms of credit decisioning to make that a better process. 
credit decisioning is an interesting one. And I can't claim to be an expert here because adjudication is, you know, a completely separate field with its own experts. But I think what we have there is there's all sorts of ways, everything from how do I get the information faster to the adjudicators, assuming that I want a human in the loop, or how can I use historic predictive information in order to make better, faster, smarter decisions, assuming, and I'm going to take as a given here, Leo, that we're properly laying the foundation of having diverse teams work on these problems, having them use responsible AI techniques to ensure that we're not putting bias into our processes. Like if we take it as a given that we can limit some of the risk in some of these techniques, the opportunities are enormous. From our perspective, from an arterial perspective, in terms of the documentation, if we're able to intake the client's information much quicker, and we are able to understand where it sits in all of this pile of documentation much faster, and then if we're able to continue to collaborate with both internal stakeholders like credit and our client better in a more collaborative and transparent way, we can move the information around faster in order to ensure that the folks who are making those decisions or the systems who are making those decisions are being fed in a smarter and faster way. And then what happens thereafter, whether or not you know you think it's appropriate to use your adjudication systems on top of that, that's a bit of a separate decision. But nonetheless, certainly there is almost no controversy that we should be giving customers a better experience in taking their data faster, negotiating with them in a more structured way, and then ensuring that everyone gets the information in a packaged way to ensure the correct decisions are being made. And that seems to go hand in glove with the idea of financial inclusivity, because there's a lot of talk about it right now. And I think it's a goal that many FIs aspire to, but it surprises me to see that AI could really play a role in that. And I'm wondering if you can elaborate on that and illuminate that for us. Again, it's this surfacing of information. So you can certainly make better decisions with better information. And so anytime you go into a standard document or a standard PDF document, you actually don't know where anything is in that document at all. Like you don't know where um, the address is. I'm going to pick something really simple. You don't know where that sits. And when you go ahead and save that document, once on your system, you actually don't have that information available to you unless you go ahead and use keyword search, which may or may not catch what you want, or if you go ahead and open that document and try and you know scan through it manually. And so the inclusivity part comes in from our perspective, where you're again able to surface that information. So what does that do from a practical perspective? It means that on occasion, when you're liaising with a giant institution, that you will be able to go online and provide information and use automation to get a decision back immediately and to get the documentation back immediately and not necessarily have to go through a whole bunch of people in that process because the bank has done the work of making that entire onboarding process a much smoother journey and ensuring that they're able to use that information to start to test theories about what additional customers they can include where they hadn't thought of it before. Like, for example, in the pandemic, I think that there was a ton of work being done because a lot of people didn't look like they were going to be able to pay their bills. And so trying to figure out how folks who didn't have jobs were going to be able to deal with their loans, deal with their collateral, look at reassessing a lot of these arrangements from a inclusivity perspective, that's critical. From a documentation perspective, 
the faster we can give people access to the information within that and surface what those obligations are, the faster those in charge can make the decisions about how inclusive they want to be from there. Now, just in case any of our listeners feel that this may be in the theoretical realm, I do want to do a little bragging on you that Arteria AI just announced that you have strategic investments both from City Sprint and BDC Capital, which I really applaud you for because that affirms what you're doing. How do you interpret the show of faith from the financial community? We think of it as a strong signal. We're on the right track. City was kind enough to say within the press release that they agree that our technology is differentiated. And of course, many efforts have been reviewed by financial services in this space. And so we're particularly proud of our new investors on our cap table. We're just really proud because I think it says that we're serious, but also that we are meeting the needs of our customers. And I think that that is a really, really nice boost of confidence. Absolutely. And when it comes to meeting needs, I'm sure there are people listening to the podcast who think, Shelby, this is fantastic. I'm really enthusiastic about what you have to say. But for my own institution, I have no idea where I'd begin. What would you advise people who are in that position to do as good first steps? You know, I think that everything in terms of automation and AI really boils down to where are my processes. And if we kind of find those places where we have a lot of people and a lot of paper, there's typically something that we can do to change that or smooth that process out. Typically, we're enabling folks. It's not always a headcount takeout. And so it's about how do we ensure that we're helping folks get through a lot of those chunky processes. And so what I would say is wherever you're looking at a whole bunch of spreadsheets, a whole bunch of pause paper, and a whole bunch of people, that is kind of the trifecta of things that you'll look for in terms of trying to figure out where something like this, be it arteria or something else, uh, may apply in terms of helping smooth those processes. And you've certainly helped us today on the podcast. Shelby, I want to thank you so much for making the time. And here's hoping we can get you back on again at some point. Thank you. Thanks so much, Lou. Really appreciate the time. Shelby Austin is the co-founder and CEO of Arteria AI. She is based in Toronto. Be sure to look for Shelby on LinkedIn. You're listening to Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at NMD Plus, based in London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas. If you like what you've heard here, be sure to check out NMD Plus's financial technology podcast, Dave and Darm Demystify, with hosts Dave Wallace and Darmesh Mystery. Bankadelic. Sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Have you thought about how you'll gain the upper hand in your search for stellar talent? Banker Hire leverages a niche industry with uncommon insight. They're committed to finding you qualified commercial and community banking, lending, 
compliance, HR, retail, and wealth talent. BankerHire prides itself on listening and solving problems. Their approach is 100% hands-on and heads-up, giving you what you need to make smart, actionable decisions. For more information, visit BankerHire.com. Quantic is the adaptive digital bank that offers entrepreneurs, immigrants, millennials, low-income families, seniors, and others innovative banking products and services which embrace the diversity of circumstances that exist in the lives of customers while elevating their financial strength. For more information, visit QuanticBank.com. That's Q-U-O-N-T-I-C Bank.com. is 2051 and in the greatest breakthrough that financial services has seen in more than two millennia we introduce to you AI artificial ignorance you can use it in call centers your call is very unimportant to us please continue to hold or on the internet when people are trying to apply to get a credit card To complete this credit card application, please input the first 15 codes of your DNA sequence. And perhaps most importantly of all, your financial wellness. You look fat. Get to a gym and empty out your wallet. Give it to me. That's right. Artificial ignorance coming soon to a bank near you. Assuming it stays open after we introduce it. And now, Bankadelic presents... Three Bullseyes. Number one. In terms of documentation, it's what we refer to as the forgotten digital transformation. So banks obviously have documents littered all over the place. The problem is really big and really painful. Number two. What data first means is rather than fixing the problem once you've made a giant mess, what we can actually do is change the sort of nature of the documents that we put forward to our customers. And as a result, we keep the data intact. Number three. Anytime you go into a standard document or a standard PDF document, you actually don't know where anything is in that document at all. If we're able to intake the client's information much quicker and we're able to understand where it sits in all the compiled documentation much faster, everyone gets the information in a packaged way to ensure the correct decisions are being made. And now, lose views. On the podcast today, Shelby Austin of Arteria AI spoke pretty convincingly about the push-pull of technology that we experienced during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, on the one hand, banks, credit unions, and fintechs did a bang-up job getting to customers and serving them at a time when physical interactions, visits to the branch were simply impossible. But on the other hand, and perhaps as a necessity, certain things were left behind. And one of those was the documentation process. Legacy documentation still continues to be a headache that troubles banks. Although there is that temptation just to let it be, to let the inertia dominate. 
But what happens is that banks are spending an inordinate amount of time and way too much in terms of their resources, just processing things the way they've always been processed. AI, as Shelby noted, can enter into that realm and make things much simpler, make things much faster, make things much more thorough. It isn't just for the sake of the bank, but it's for the sake of the customer's credit decisioning improves, financial inclusivity improves, and we get closer to that holy grail of being able to make decisions in real time. Old metrics like the FICO score simply can't do that when it comes to credit. They aren't comprehensive enough. They don't move fast enough. And as for where the industry is headed, I can only see artificial intelligence growing as an influence and growing as a power. It is time to really look into it. Getting in now means being prepared not only for the now, but for the future, which is going to arrive in digital terms much faster than any of us might expect. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Jenny Elman. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous sponsorship. Thanks to Banker Hire. Thanks also to Quantic. I'm Lou Carlozo. You can catch me on LinkedIn and someday on my Vaudeville YouTube channel, Rink-a-dink-dink-in. Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of NMD+, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.